happy to be here this morning. Um, as Fadia said, I've been an educator for a long time. Uh, I will tell you, I knew in the fifth grade that I was going to be a teacher, and I'll tell you short, so I'm going to try to limit the stories this morning. But um, my sister and I integrated to schools in Escambia County. And um, I was in the fourth grade when I, I went to a school where I was the only uh, brown face in the uh, fourth grade. And I looked in the back of my book, and I saw pictures of slavery, and I knew we were going to have to cover it. And so I went to Miss Roberts, uh, my teacher. She's an older white woman, just as sweet as can be. And I was crying, and I told her to call my daddy because I was going back to the other school. And she said, no, you're not. And she said, what's the matter? I said, I don't want to teach on slavery. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to do anything about it. And she said, I'll fix it. And uh, so when class came back from recess, she said, we're going to teach some tough lessons in this class, and one of them is slavery. And we're going to be kind and considerate to Renelia. And uh, I became a social studies teacher because of Ms. Roberts teaching social studies when I was in the fourth, fifth grade. When I was in fourth, fifth grade. And uh, I love the education process. I don't care which side of the desk I'm on. I don't care if I'm the teacher. I don't care if I'm the student. I love homework. Uh, those of my Sunday school class know that. I love homework. I love learning uh, new things. And, uh, but the most important uh, learning you can have and yearn for it is a thirst for God's word. And uh, I knew when Portia went up there what she was going to say. And uh, I, I will tell you, my family knows at 10 o'clock, everything shuts off. Everything. And they know if you step in that room before mom comes out after 10, she's going to say, I'm giving y'all all day long. This is my time with the Lord. Uh, some of you may study during the morning, and that's fine. I'm high strong. I need something to calm me down at night. And the last thing I say is, God, I know you're in charge of everything, and I'm in charge of nothing. And so I can go to sleep tonight. And uh, so Portia, uh, where are you? I knew she was going to say that. She was looking for some profound language, and I had none for her. I said, are you praying and studying? And she went, well, I said, how often? I said, well, I said, I don't have any advice to give you. And I told I don't have any advice to give you. You're like trying to put icing, but there's no cake. You don't have a foundation to change and grow. And uh, I'm sure she was stunned. And I said, I'm going to be checking on you, too. And uh, so uh, I, I, we're going to delve into God's word today. The title of my lesson is, It's Not About Me. Let's Talk About Greed. That's a tough subject. That's a tough subject. It's not about me. Let's talk about greed. Um, I, I teach law school. <clears throat> One of the classes that I teach that I love the most is the ethics class. Because I get to talk about what gets lawyers in trouble. And the number one thing that gets lawyers in trouble with the Florida Bar, Debbie Baker, tell them. Is uh, misuse of funds and greed. Greed and money. That's the number one reason. And I tell my students that. Greed and money will get you in trouble and cause you not to be able to do a lot of things professionally in this world. I got two of my students here today, and uh, they're probably thinking, oh, well, I could have just, you know, in her class she says this. But today I'm going to put God's word uh, to the topic of greed. God, God's word has a lot to say about greed. I got a news flash for you. America is consumed with greed and materialism. America is consumed with greed and materialism. And the interesting thing is that people will talk about money, but they don't want to talk about greed. And the reason for that is that Money can have positive or negative connotations. 
The word money is used in God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, 113 times. And sometimes it's in a positive connotation. The disciples needed more money to buy food for the multitudes. When the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus about uh, Caesar's face being on coins, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So there are positive connotations about money in, the new, in, the, uh, in God's word. Greed is mentioned 25 times, and every time it's negative. Greed is mentioned 25 times in the Bible, and every time it's negative. I have spent a lot of my life around very rich people and very poor people. Uh, my grandparents did not have indoor plumbing until I was in middle school. So I've, I've seen poverty, and I came from poverty, deep, deep poverty. And because of my husband's first job, I spent a lot of my time around rich people. Let me tell you something right now. Greed does not care if you're rich or poor. It, 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 does not, it is not a respecter of socioeconomic status. Poor people can be as greedy as rich people, and rich people can be as poor as, 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 as poor people. So let's put that on the table right now. For Christians, though, there's a distinction. For Christians, greed is a matter of the heart. I'm going to say that again. For Christians, greed is a matter of the heart. God wants his people to be responsible. He wants them to plan, to do with his blessings what they need to do. God wants his people to be responsible. I'm going to use a lot of scriptures today, and I'll tell you when to turn, and I'll, when I don't tell you to turn, just write it down. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 3.10 tells us, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. So God doesn't like laziness. Don't think, well, if I don't work and I didn't, I'm not greedy. No, God says if you don't work, yeah, I don't care if you're working at home. I don't care. If you don't work, you don't need to eat. Because if you don't, you're eating off somebody else. And I tell my students all the time, I want y'all to graduate. I want you to get your bar certification. I want you to get a good job. And I want you to pay my social security when I can't work no more, okay? <laughs> Verses 16 through 18 describes the noble woman. And it says, she works vigorously and her training is profitable. Okay? She was a hardworking woman. And she was out there making it happen for her family. That's not greed. Acts 16:14, Lydia was one of the first women mentioned that was converted in the Bible by name. She was a dealer in purple fabrics. I wish I could go to her store today. Those of you that know I'd like to sew, I, I, I'd like to find Lydia. But purple fabrics was fabrics that were used for royalty. Yep. Purple was the color of royalty. So she obviously had a good business. So as we consider money and greed, what's the problem? Well, I've got a definition for greed, and it's a definition for Christians. It is putting the longing for and the pursuit of things that money can buy before your relationship to God. And that's going to be my mantra through the whole uh, uh, speech this morning. Putting the longing for and the pursuit of things that money can buy before God. That's greed. When you want material things, you long for material things more than you long for God. Matthew uh, verse, chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, talks about the rich young man. And he went to Jesus, and he wanted to justify himself because he had done all the right things. And when he asked Jesus, you know, well, what more do I need to do? Jesus said, 
follow me. Get rid of what you got and follow me. And it's interesting because he went away sad. He knew he had made the wrong decision. Ladies, when we pursue material things more than we pursue our Savior, we're going to have some sad, sad days. Second Timothy 3, 2 tells us that in the last days, perilous days, troubling days, people will be lovers of money. We're living in some perilous days. We're living in the last days. Jesus hasn't come back. And 2 Timothy 3, chapter 6 through 10 tells us that the love of money is the root of evil, of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so I'm going to offer to you today four problems that greed causes for Christians. Four problems that greed causes for Christians. First, greed causes Christians not to trust God to meet our needs. Greed causes Christians not to trust God to meet our needs. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus 16. Exodus 16. And we're going to begin our reading in uh, verse 1. Exodus chapter 16. We all know the story of the uh, children of God leaving uh, Egypt. We learned it when we were in uh, Bible class for young children. Jesus did some amazing things. Um, he parted the Red Sea. And if you've ever done some research on that, uh, different movie studios have done everything to part the Red Sea. The one we usually see is the one where they use cellophane to pull back red jello. That's literally how they parted the Red Sea. Okay? Uh, he parted the Red Sea, and God's people walked through on dry land. And then he turned around and drowned Pharaoh's army. That was a miracle for God's people. He gave them a pillar of cloud to guide them by day. They didn't have GPS, MapQuest, any of that. And so he gave them a pillar of cloud to guide them by day. And then he gave them a pillar of fire to guide them by night. And in Exodus 14, verse 31, we read, and they put their trust in God. They put their trust in God. If I saw all those things, I put my trust in God too. I, I don't need a Bible and just seeing that. They put their trust in God. And let's pick up in Exodus 16, verses 1. 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elium and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elium and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand back in Egypt. You left because you didn't want to die in Egypt, okay? But if only we had died. There we sat with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Okay, if I remember, they had to build bricks without straw. But they, you know, your memory gets cloud when you say this yeah. in your heart. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see, what, see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much, because he didn't want them to work on the Sabbath, as they gather on the other days. God had a plan to feed his people. 
But they put the longing for and the pursuit of food before their trust in God. They have a short memory. Let's read in um, verses 19 through 20 of the same chapter. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning. But when they opened their bags, they were full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Now think about all the uh, um, miracles that God had performed. He had a plan. I'm going to feed you. Let me feed you the way I want to feed you. And what did they do? Well, I'm going to put a little bit over here because God might not come through tomorrow. And I'm going to save some in my bag because I, I might, you know, it might run out. God's blessings don't run out. And they wound up with maggots, rotted food overnight. We can talk about the Israelites and what they did, but we have to ask ourselves how often, because of our greed, that we come up with a plan that we know is not in line with what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. how, how often do we do, do we do that? God saved us from the depths of hell. He's promised he's gonna be with us. He's gonna meet our needs. He wants us to work hard, and I've already covered that, so that's not what I'm talking about. But how often do we run off track because we get a better plan? Greed occurs when we don't put our trust in God. And greed is putting the longing for and the pursuit of the things that money can buy before our relationship to God. It'll cause us not to trust him to meet our needs. Secondly, greed causes us to lose the contentment that we find only and exclusively in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. Greed causes us to lose the contentment that we find only and exclusively in Jesus Christ. Things are going to happen to you that nobody can heal your heart from except the Lord. But if you lose that contentment, Satan's going to keep you upset, can't sleep at night, stressed out all the time. That's his, that's his goal, is to stress you out and put you in despair all the time. Mm -hmm. Let's turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Paul is writing here to the Christians at Philippi, and he's writing from a Roman prison. Epaphroditus had come uh, to bring a, a gift to him um, in, while he was in prison. The Philippians had sent him a gift, and he was very thankful for it. And this is Paul's thank you note for the gift they had provided. <clears throat> I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me, but you had no, uh, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul used the word learned here twice, and as a teacher, I like to see that, because when you don't know something, you've got to go through a process to acquire that knowledge. 
And he says he learned the secret. And it's interesting that he called it a secret. And that's a secret because most people don't know that contentment is only found in a relationship to Jesus Christ. Amen. Anything else you put your hope in, anything else you put your uh, sense of contentment in, it's going to fail you. Paul wasn't different, wasn't much different than most of us. He had been a student under Gamaliel, who was the leader of the Sanhedrin Council. He had the prominence of being a Pharisee. He was well-educated in Hebrew law. He had a business. He was a tent maker. His educational and professional resume was so good, he could enter a city and immediately speak in the synagogue. Paul had it going on. He was a Roman citizen. There's not much else he could have uh, uh, had. But he said, I had some things I had to learn. And when I met Jesus on that Damascus Road, I became a star student. Okay, I became a gifted student. Because God knocked him down and took his vision away. He said, I have learned the secret of contentment when I met Jesus and decided to follow him. Sisters, we need to learn the secret of contentment. And it is not in anything else even in good things. My husband, my family, my job, my friend. No, that's not the source of your contentment. That's an add-on. The source of your contentment is only in Jesus Christ. And Satan is going to take all those things I just mentioned and play with you all your life if you're looking for contentment and satisfaction anyplace else. Amen. Amen. Satan will put greed in your heart, cause you not to be content, he will let you acquire some of the things and the people you wanted and just keep you stirred up all the time because the secret of contentment is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, when I taught at Chamberlain High School for 12 years, when I, I left there, I was still the youngest person in my department. So every year when units were gone, I hope I'd have a job. Well, it's interesting, I don't know how, but in the blinking of an eye, I teach in a place now where I'm the oldest woman in the building. Okay? The oldest person. I'm the oldest person in the building on staff. That's custodians, secretaries, professors, everybody. I'm the oldest lady in the building. And I, I use my age to tell, talk to people about a lot of things. Um, I, uh, we, were, we had a black tie ball. I told this to my group last night. And um, it was um, uh, Academy Awards. And so they would give Academy Awards to the professors. And so uh, we're, uh, my husband always tells me when he goes to school, and he says, all of those students told me that they're your favorite student. And, and you, they're really your, their favorite, you know, and he just, he laughs at them. But uh, he, um, they gave out an award, and it was uh, uh, the most loquacious. Now, I know a lot of things, but I don't know what loquacious is. And uh, they started, and the first description that they gave is, this professor, we would let them pick on each other, so they pick on the professor. This professor will meet you coming out of the bathroom, and in one minute, she would be into the deepest issues of your life. My husband said, go on and think And they said, no matter what needs to be said, whether you want to hear it or not, she's going to eventually corner you. And if she does something wrong, she's going to apologize, but she's going to you know, kind of get out, which you're not going to think, well, when you're the oldest person, you know, you kind of can do that. Uh, and so eventually they called my name out, and I got the award sitting on my desk. But one thing I tell my students as old as an old lady is that you've got to anchor yourself to something more than your law degree. You've got to anchor yourself to something more than your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your whatever. And I tell them, my life is anchored in Jesus. 
It's the only way I got through law school. The only way I got through, because I was about to lose my mind, and I may have, and just don't know it yet. But um, you've got to anchor yourself to something more, because you will never be content. And I tell them about my mother's friend's son that had a nervous breakdown when he was in law school out in Texas and never got right. You have got to anchor yourself to something more than just the things of this world. We're going to face some storms in life. We're going to be uh, face illnesses, deaths, loss of jobs, sick children, raising teenagers. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, I, I don't know, I don't plan to be hell, but I've raised teenagers, and I, it's got to be close, okay? <laughs> young adults, those young adults go from being children and students to earning their own living and getting out of the house. That's, that's rough. That is rough, okay? Marriage issues, all, all, all kinds of things. Let me tell you, you won't survive those things without Jesus Christ and the contentment that he brings. Because it will stress, stress you out so much you'll think you're going to lose your mind. Told this story last night. Uh, Dwayne and I were cooking for Jimmy's family reunion a year and a half ago, the family reunion that we agreed we weren't going to do. And my husband volunteered for us to feed 200 people. And uh, so we were out there on the grill cooking, and Dwayne looks at me and he says, Mama, I'm so glad you didn't die young. I said, what? I'm glad I didn't die young either. He's like, I just, I prayed you wouldn't die young. I said, really? Why? He said, because I wanted you to see that I was going to pan out as a Christian husband and father. Aww. And he started crying, and I started crying. Aww. But the fact of the matter is, raising children is hard. Amen. Surviving a marriage is hard. It's, the blessings are untold, but it's hard. <laughs> and if you're trying to go through those storms of life without putting your contentment in Jesus, that's the secret, see, that'll get you through it. It won't happen. Greed, the longing for, putting the longing for and the pursuit of things money can buy can cause you to lose your contentment in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, greed causes us to think that our life consists of the abundance of our possessions. Uh, you know, if she got a car, I need a car. He got this, I mean, I've always wanted, uh, you know, it, it, will it will cause you to think that those are, that is the, the that's what your life consists of. Can you repeat that? Listen, greed causes us to think that our life consists of the abundance of our possessions. Thank you. Let's turn to Luke 12. Luke 12. We'll pick up in uh, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. A ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll store up all of my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, 
drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. I want you to notice that Jesus called this man's uh, crop, good crop. He didn't say bad crop. He said good crop. God wants our, our labor to produce good things. The problem with this man is that he got mixed up and started worshiping the created rather than the creator. That's Romans 1. He started to worship the created rather than the creator. And when you get those things mixed up, you're greedy. You're worshiping, the, the, you take the blessings that God gives us. I take the blessings that God gives us. And instead of worshiping God for those blessings, I start worshiping the blessing. We forget sometimes that material things, and material things include people, physical things on this earth will never fill us up. They, I don't care how good they are, they will never fill us up. And when we trade our relationship to God for physical things, we are greedy people. Greed, putting the longing for and the pursuit of things before our creator. Greed will cause us to take our eyes off of God and put it on things. And we don't have idols sitting around the way they did in, in the Old Testament, but they become idols to us. Let me tell you something, ladies. I don't care how good the things are that we have, we are gonna die and leave them. Or they are gonna die and leave us. We're gonna die and leave them. So we need to hang our anchor on things that we know we won't die and leave. And that's our relationship to God. Greed, the longing for, putting the longing for and the pursuit of things that money will buy will cause our, us to take our eyes off God and to put our eyes on material, physical things. And will make us begin to really believe that life consists in the abundance of our possessions. Fourth, greed causes us to be impatient when we don't get what we want when we want it. I'll say that again, because I gotta preach this one to me. <laughs> Greed causes us to be impatient when we don't get what we want when we want it. Let's go back to Exodus uh, chapter 32 this time. Exodus chapter 32. We'll pick up in uh, verse 1. God's people had been through a lot. They had been enslaved. They experienced the escape of the Red Sea. I'm not a good swimmer. I generally would have had to drag me through that Red Sea. They were getting a new system of laws. New ways to worship. They had to move through the desert with between 600,000 and 1 million people. Women were in that group. Children were in that group. This is rough, this is hard. I'm sure they were wondering, where are we going? Honey, you've been talking to Moses. Tell me, you need to tell me where I'm going. I, I don't like this. 
Where are we gonna sleep? You know, is it gonna be cold? What, what are we gonna do when it rains? We don't have a million tents. How, how am I gonna feed the children? Amen. We already said they grumbled about it. These are things that women grumble about. And I know, as I tell my daughter, my daughter, my, I know because I've been a woman a long time. <laughs> What's gonna be my role in this new system? Because back in Egypt, we were all slaves. So what, what's gonna be for me? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm smart. You didn't marry a dummy here, so what's gonna be for me? What about the husband I've been waiting for? If we stay out there too long, we can't really have a wedding like I wanted out there. <laughs> what about the husband I got? He, I don't really like him much anymore. <laughs> so, I, you know, what about that? I gotta stay out there and sleep on the ground. You know, at least I was, I could be more comfortable. Where is this promised land? You know, I'm, I'm the navigator. Jimmy and I can navigate to New York City, Los Angeles, but I navigate and he drives. And he's very patient with me, even before GPS. A lot of people can't blunder in New York City, but Jimmy and I can. Not because I'm good at navigating, but because he's so patient with me. And if I tell him wrong, he'll just say, no problem, honey, I'll go back and then tell me again. He just patient as a What about my future? What if I die out here in this desert? I, you know, I, those are things that women worry about. And I've been a woman a long time, so I can talk to my, about myself. It's easy for us to become ungrateful, start complaining, and become impatient. That's a fact. I'm gonna tell you another story. Uh, and, and this is especially for married women. I, I was working downtown as supervisor teacher training, very good job. Uh, 52 people tried to get it and I got it. And um, I came home and I was complaining. And, and, and you know, just and, the, office, the, the office is too small and the phone calls and the this and the that. And I just kept going on and on and on. And Jimmy's just sitting there looking at me, you know. And the next morning, he wakes up and he says, honey, I prayed about the things you said last night and I figured out how you can quit your job. <laughs> when you complain to your husband, it makes him miserable, especially if it's something that he has no control to fix for you. I'm gonna say that again. When you complain to your husband about things he can't fix, things he can't change, it makes him miserable. It takes some of his masculine uh, protective uh, uh, nature, it puts that in jeopardy. I had a reading specialist one time named Cheryl, I won't say her last name because I have some teachers in here. And uh, we were in the process of moving and setting up and so she would go home and complain to her husband. So she comes to work Monday and she says, I think I'm gonna get fired. And I'm like, what? She said, I think I'm gonna get fired. I said, why? She said, well, we were at the mall and we saw Dr. Leonard, the superintendent, and I introduced my husband to him. And he shook his hand and said, it's nice to meet you, Dr. Leonard. When are you gonna give my wife an office like you said you were? And she said, I almost dropped through the terrazzo floor. She said, second day, when are you gonna give my wife an office like she deserves? Okay? She said, you know, I go home and bus every day. And I didn't know it was making my husband so angry inside. Okay? I told her, I said, Cheryl, again, I'm an old lady, I said, let me give you some advice. If it's something your husband can't fix, can't change, can't alter, don't complain to him about it. 
because you are going to the heart of his soul. When he married you, he said he was going to take care of you, help you out, and you're complaining to him about something that he can't fix. I learned instead, if I'd had a bad week, I'd call my, call my, my parents, call my mom. And uh, I'd always hope that she would pick up the phone. And when my daddy, because she, you know, pet me, oh baby, it's okay, you'll be okay, go on back, like, you know, the things that I just tell the kids. My daddy, if my daddy picked up the phone, you just go, ooh. I'd say, he'd say, what's the matter, don't sound good. And I'd tell him, well, I kind of had a hard day at work. And he'd say, did you get your paycheck this Friday? Yes, daddy. <laughs> Let me tell you something, girl. You making long money. That's the word. You know, he said, all my people got to do is be custodian. You making long money. I raised you to be strong. Straighten it back up and go on back to work and smile. <laughs> and he was right, okay? He, he was right. He said, there are people that want to be where you are. Stop complaining. Go on, pick, straighten it back up and go on back and smile. Now, if they don't pay you next Friday, then don't go back. But if they pay you next Friday, Because my husband wants me to be happy so much that I, I, I was just breaking his heart. And uh, that, that's the lesson that I, I tell young wives. If it's something he can fix, ask him if he can help you with it. But if he can't, don't, don't do that to him. I'm sure that there was complaining on this journey to the promised land. And I cannot imagine what those men were going through with their, with their wives. I, I can't even imagine. You know, I, if the air conditioner breaks in the car, I don't want to go, okay? And, uh, but greed, putting the longing for and the pursuit of things before our relationship to God causes us to become impatient, causes us to complain, causes us to be ungrateful. And let me tell you, sisters, for some of us who are complaining, these are our good old days. Some of us are going to wish back for this year, this day, this month, when we're on our bed of affliction. And we're going to ask ourselves, why wasn't I happier and more content then? I had everything I needed. Right. I, 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 as I'm nearing the end of my life, I think about that all the time. Did I spend my days knowing that physical things weren't what I needed? Did I learn the secret of contentment? Or was I greedy for physical things to fill me up? So how do we change this? How, how do we do better? It's a step-by-step -step process. It comes through growth. I've got students here. I tell them all the time, if you're going to do better, you got to bear down and you got to study. Of course, you took half of my uh, uh, speech this morning. you got to study. And if you keep studying long enough, it's going to change your life. Every term, I put my transcript on the um, document camera so my students can see. When I started law school, I was a novice. I was 45 years old. I was older than a lot of the other students' parents. And I got three C's those first two semesters. And I didn't like that. And I wanted to quit, and Jimmy wouldn't let me. 
I had to bear down and keep working. And over the next three years, I got all A's and B's because I studied hard. We got to study God's word, ladies. There, there's, no, there's no substitute for that. We got to pray. When we pray, we talk to God. And, you know, give me this, give me that. But when we study, God talks to us. And he's the great teacher. We're not. I'm going to say that again. When we pray, we talk to God. But when we study his word, God talks to us. Satan will drive you crazy if you are not studying God's word. And I'm going to tell you, I'm no great Bible philosopher. What I do is I usually read one or two chapters a night. Sometimes if something's going on, I'll study on a topic. But I start at 10, 10, 20 or so, I'm done. But I'm going to tell you, it is consistent. It is consistent. And you've got to do it consistently so that God can speak to your heart. Imagine going through life and never letting your greatest loved one speak to you. Your husband, your mother, your sister that you love. What would your relationship be like if they never got to talk to you? You wouldn't have one. You have got to make time to study God's word. Amen. And as Portia said, if you're too busy, then you're too busy. You need to cut something out. And I've been a working mother with two little kids and a husband that worked for I, I, I know what busy is. Lauren called me this week and said, I, I need to be reading more with Olivia. We need reading time. I said, Lauren, we never had reading time. She said, you know, Mama, we didn't. You put Dwayne on the sofa and me at the kitchen table and the two of us would read at the same time. She said, I thought that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. She said, but you know what? It worked. I said, I didn't have reading time. You got to read while I'm cooking dinner. And I'm listening to you over here, and I'm listening to you over here. Okay, that's, that's the life of a working mom. Okay? But I had time for God's word. When I put my kids to sleep, the house is quiet. Joan Bruce always says, don't call Renee after 1030. Don't call her between 10 and 1030 because you might get your feelings hurt. Yeah, now I can see a cell phone. I know who's calling. I know you're probably not dead, so I don't even answer. But you've got to study God's word. And you got to make it a priority. If not, Satan will put things in your heart and make you greedy for them. And eventually it will cause you to lose your salvation. Studying God's word and praying consistently will help you grow in every area of your spiritual life. Going to church is great. I'm there every Sunday. Wednesday night is great. I love to be there with my brothers and sisters. But that won't give me the spiritual growth that I need. The spiritual growth that I need comes from a personal relationship with the Lord. Amen. A personal, just the two of us. Me and him. What else can we do to change the greed that we can succumb to in America today? Work hard. God wants you to work hard. But trust God to provide what you need when you need it. I was talking to somebody today, and they said a friend of theirs walked into work uh, the other day, and they just told them, we don't need you anymore. They've been there over 30 years. Oh my God. That's, that's what the world will do to you. And if you're worshiping that job, guess what? The source of your worship is gone. Okay? Work hard, but trust God to provide what you need when you need it. The third thing, how can we change and grow past the greed in our lives? Learn to live within your means. Learn to live within your means. And, and this wasn't a problem for my parents' generation. 
This wasn't so much a problem for my generation, but young people today, they want everything right now. Learn to live within your means. Don't buy things you can't afford. Set up a budget. Decide where you want to be next year, the next year. Save money for a rainy day, because it's going to rain. Transmission's going to go out. The air conditioning's going to go out. Somebody's going to get sick that doesn't have any sure. It's, it's going to rain, okay? Young people today, they don't save anything for a rainy day. Learn to live within your means. Fourth, be generous towards God. Yes. Be generous Amen. towards God. Set up money that you're going to give to the Lord and his purposes. And, and y'all have heard this story. Tim uh, told it over the pulpit uh, recently. We were out of town, and he and emailed Jimmy and said, tell me that story again. Um, I also worked for a uh, uh, public utility for a long time and was shocked when he lost his job. And uh, we sat down at the table and started uh, budgeting out what we were going to do. And he decided he wanted to be a teacher. Uh, he eventually was offered, offered his job back, but he decided he wanted to be a teacher. And we're figuring out the budget and figuring out how we're going to uh, do what we were doing and what we got to get rid of and stop doing and can't go and can't eat there. And uh, he said, there are two things I'm, I'm going to maintain. I'm going to make the house payment because I don't want my family outdoors. They may, maybe turn the air conditioner off, but I'm, I want to make my house payment. And I'm going to maintain what I've been giving to the Lord when I had a good job on 60% less. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow. He, he took a 60% pay cut to take his children to high school every day. And he, he went to school, high school with our kids. And, uh, but he said, I'm not, he said, when we lose the house, then I'll know that maybe I'm giving too much. We didn't lose that house. But I, I remember, I didn't have the faith that he had. He said, I have faith that the Lord is going to work this out for me because I've done nothing wrong in my job. Okay? He said, and I'm thinking, okay, you got 60% less money. Uh, he said, no, we can cut out some of these other things. Um, but be generous towards God. Be generous towards God's body. Be generous towards godly things. And, and, uh, and, and trust that God will provide uh, and not be so greedy to hold on. As I close today, uh, I didn't ask how much time I had. <laughs> but as I close today, I'd like to read one of my favorite scriptures uh, to you, and then I close with a prayer. Proverbs 30. Turn to Proverbs 30. Uh, verse 7. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you. That's what greed will do for you. I may have too much and disown you. And say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Ladies, whether you have much or little, greed will get into your heart mm -hmm. and make you say, who is the Lord? Or it'll make you steal things that aren't yours. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. Whether you have little or much, greed will get into your heart and make you say either, who is the Lord? Or it'll make you do dishonest things. As Christians, we live in a world consumed by greed. 
Uh, when I was in high school, the OJs used to sing a song, and the title of that song was Money, 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 Money. <laughs> and I'm gonna recite uh, to you some of the, uh, I didn't really listen to music or dance or anything, but uh, I'm gonna recite some of these right. words to you, because right. this is very poignant. <laughs> some people gotta have it, some people really need it. People will steal from their mother, people will rob their own brother. People can't even walk the street because of that mean, mean green. For the love of money, people will lie, rob, and cheat. People don't care who they hurt or beat. A woman will sell her precious body for a small piece of paper that carries a lot of weight. The end of that song says, save your soul. Save your soul. Don't sell it for that mean, mean green. I'm gonna read that, that last line again. Save your soul. Save your soul. Don't sell it for that mean, mean green. That, that's something to think about. It's a rock group. And they knew that people would lose their souls because of greed and chasing money. Greed, putting the longing for and the pursuit of things that money can buy before our relationship to God. Let's close with a prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this day. Father, I thank you for your love and the way you give us everything we need. Father, I thank you for the fact that you don't uh, avoid or dodge those tough topics mm -hmm. that, uh, so that we can examine ourselves and see where we are. Father, help each one of us as we read God's word to point the finger at ourselves and not think about who needs to hear this. Help us to know that there's nothing more important in our time than allowing you to speak to the depths of our soul. Help us to know that you are the answer to the, to the deepest issues of life, to the storms of life, to the happy times and to the sad times. You are the source of contentment. Help us, Father, to learn to trust you, to let our contentment rest in you, to understand that our life will never consist of the things we have, and help us not to grow impatient when you don't give us what we want when we want it. Help us to hold each other accountable for the things that we do and the way that we behave, and help us to never be too proud to admit when we're wrong and to seek good counsel when things are running off the tracks. Father, I thank you so much for each uh, lady here today, I thank you that of all the places we could be and all the things that we could be doing, we decided to come today together uh, for spiritual purposes so that we could grow more and more like you. Thank you so much for the women that put the time into planning this day. Thank you most of all for your presence in our gathering. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.